Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. It may be the nighttime, but the sports talk doesn't stop. Sports talk radio that's live, local, and not for the faint of heart. Oh, you didn't know? Sometimes angry. Loud noises! Telling it like it is. You insulted him a little bit. You got a little out of order yourself. And pretty much always right. Don't ever argue with the big dog. Big dog is always right. Text to call 404-741-0929 and be part of the show. Well, we're waiting. Live from the Kia Studios, it's time for the John Chuckery Show. Serving you up sports on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. And welcome into Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Yes, it is time for the John Chuckery Show. Hanging out with you here in the Kia Studios on this Wednesday evening with you for the full four. We ask you to download the Odyssey app. You're not in the car as much, but you want to listen in. Put the Odyssey app on one of your devices Today, take your smartphone, take your Alexa speakers, take your tablet, take your Palm Pilot, your BlackBerry, your Nextel, whatever your device is, just download it on something to be able to catch us when you're on the go. Social media is at 929 The Game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And as always, best way to be a part of the show is to follow us through our personal Twitter pages. I'm at JMSH316. That is your water cooler talking points three to six months in advance of anybody else that is out there. On the other side of the glass, producing the show, as always, Day Day is in the house at D.D. Lewis for real. Well, Braves are in the midst of a a doubleheader here as uh, game number two is uh, quickly approaching uh, the end. Right now, Braves up 6-5 to here in the top of the uh, eighth inning. Um, Dylan Dodd started uh, today. Uh, Let's talk about game one first, though, before we get um, to what happened uh, in game two. Let me put it to you like this. The Detroit Tigers came into today's game having hit the fourth fewest homers in Major League Baseball, and they had scored the fewest runs in Major League Baseball. Let me let me repeat that. They had come into the game with the fourth fewest homers in Major League Baseball and the fewest runs scored in Major League Baseball. And they've been able to put up seven runs in game one, five runs in game two here. Um, pitching, it's been pitching optional today, right? So the Braves did win 10 to 7. They battered the uh the Detroit Tigers. Uh Olsen, the starter for the Tigers, three and a third, seven runs, six of them earned, and he threw 89 pitches and got battered around. Strider, though, another rough outing. Five innings. Seven hits, five earned runs, couple of walks, six strikeouts, and three homers given up. Then we repeat, 
The Tigers had the fourth fewest homers and the fewest runs scored in Major League Baseball coming into today. And they got seven in game one, hit three homers, and kind of took it to. Now, look, Strider got the win because the offense got it really cranked up, right? Ronnie hit a home run. Michael Harris hit a home run. And they just kind of battered. They were 5 for 11 with runners in scoring position in that first game. Michael Harris was 4 for 4 with three, uh, three runs scored and four RBI. Looks like he's getting himself back on track, right? You know, now it's starting to catch up. Now he's up, and, and I we kind of joke about this, but now he's up to 227. Things are progressing quickly, quickly, I should say. Oh, yeah, Arcia, two for four with a couple of runs and a couple of RBI. That's seven, eight, and nine. We've talked, how many times have we talked about this day today? Seven, eight, and nine. They were six yep. for 12, six runs scored, seven RBI in game one. Six runs and seven RBI for the seven, eight, and nine hitters today. How many times when they get it cooking, I don't care what you do or what's going on, they win. You get those guys cranked up at the bottom of the Again, I know Ronnie and Olsen and Riley and Darno and Murphy and Rosario and this and that and Ozuna and blah, 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 blah. I know about all the guys at the top. But whatever combination that they put together at the bottom of their order, if those guys, when those guys get it cranked up and going, he ain't beating the Braves. So Strider didn't pitch all that well, but got the win for it. Even, even with five innings and five earned runs, he still found a way to win. So good news for the uh, the bullpen was was really good uh, in game one. Um, well, um, they were pretty good in, in game one. I mean, Chavez, Yates, Minter, Anderson, Iglesias, uh, that's the four guys that pitched in game one, and they gave you four innings of two-run ball um, and, and did their job and hung on against the uh, Detroit Tigers in game two. Now we fast forward here to game – sorry, game number one. Now we fast forward to game number two, and right now it's six to five in the top of the eighth inning. Uh, Braves up the bat, obviously. Uh, Dylan Dodd, four innings, six hits, five earned runs, three homers. So the let, day day. Did I mention that the Tigers had hit the fourth fewest homers in Major League Baseball going into today? Yes, you did. They've hit six homers in two games. Six. They've only hit, I think it was 54 for the season. So they've gotten 10% of their home run total to this point in the two games today. The two starters for the Braves, nine innings, 10 earned runs, six homers given up. And I really thought that Strider would have that bounce, just like Charlie Morton did the other night in that bounce back game that the Braves blew. Morton was outstanding, five and two-thirds, no runs given up. Eight of his 17 outs were via uh, uh, no uh, no contact. I thought he pitched really well. Unfortunately, Strider couldn't die. I, I said last night I thought Strider was going to go six innings and have 13 strikeouts. I think he was going to give up 13 homers, it felt like. Yeah, you put that bad juju on him. Yeah, I did. Well, again – I must have put it on Dodd and, you know, other people as well because, yeah, their starting pitching gave up a lot. 
Did I tell you that the Tigers hit the fourth fewest homers and scored the fewest runs in Major League Baseball? Uh, and they got ten. Yeah. And they got ten runs off our two starters. Ten runs and six homers off our two starters. Yep. But listen, um, thankfully, the Tigers are a dreadful organization. You know, when I was growing up, the Tigers were really good. I don't know if anybody was alive long enough to have seen the 84 Tigers, but they were pretty good, weren't they? Yeah. Willie Hernandez and Kirk Gibson and Alan Trammell and Lou Whitaker and, you know, all kinds of guys that they had. Chet Lemon and guys like that. Oh, yeah, it's like they won the World Series in 84, right? Jack Morris is one of their starters, you know. Um, Their starter for the Tigers, Lorenzen, six innings, nine hits, six earned runs, and he gave up three homers. Rosario's homered, Albies is homered, Ronnie hit another home run. Now, this game, the Braves are one for seven with runners in scoring position. Haven't taken advantage nearly as much as as what they could have. But, um, again, the bottom of the order, seven, eight, and nine. Ozzy, Arcia, Michael Harris. Arcia's another two for four with two runs. Ozzy's two for four with a couple of runs and, a, and an RBI. So, in total... The bottom of the order in this game is four for 11, two runs, and three RBI. Again, you're not going to beat the Braves when they get that bottom of the order cranked up. You know, uh, they can they can fight through some of their struggles, you know, with their pitching and such, but when they get the bottom of the order cranked up and going, because, again, we know Ronnie, Olsen, Riley, right? Those guys are going to hit. Those guys are going to hit and produce – we ain't worried about them at all. But when they get that bottom of the order cranked up, things are a lot different. And this is this is where we talk about that depth of that lineup. We've been talking about this all year, just how good the depth of that lineup is. And then when you add Rosario playing well, he's two for three with a, a couple of runs and an RBI today. When you have Marcelo Zuna, who's been arguably maybe their second best hitter since the start of the month of May, when you get everybody kind of cranked up going, and listen, we're still kind of waiting for Austin Riley to break loose, right? You know, Matt Olson is, uh, you know, he's down to 229. You know, even with those guys, they're still scoring a ton of runs because the bottom of the order, when it gets it together, it produces, and you're just not going to beat the Braves at that point. So hopefully here for the Braves, um, and I think uh, Jimenez is in now, uh, hopefully for the Braves that they uh, find a way to hang on um, – to this game and uh, take care of the sweep and the doubleheader, and then they will come back home to face another last-place team, the Colorado Rockies. I didn't even looked up the Rockies' numbers, but here's what I know. The Rockies are a last-place team in that, uh, in that uh, Western uh, division, and right now they sit, hold please, they sit 13 games out of first place. Now, they've won three in a row, so give them some credit. They've won three in a row. But they're 13 games out, 29 and 40. They have a minus 67 run differential. Oh, by the way, that's the worst run differential in the National League. And you know why they're not the worst run differential in baseball? Because the Oakland A's are, ready for this one? Minus Mm -hmm. 192. Minus 192 for the god-awful should be ashamed of themselves, Oakland A's organization. That's why they're not the worst. And by the way, the, the, the Royals are a minus 104 themselves. They're awful. And the Tigers are a minus 85 uh, as well. So, uh, again, 
They'll play a last place team in the Colorado Rockies here. It's uh, it, for the Braves. It's getaway day, so they come back home starting tomorrow in a series against the Rockies, a four game set. Hawks today. They did announce uh, their coaching staff, so it, it is official that they have uh, everybody uh, in place. Uh, Brian Bailey, Mike Bray, Brittany Donaldson, Steve, uh, is it Cly, um, Kokoskov, uh, uh, Antonio Lang, Sanjay Lumpkin, uh, is it Ikbe Oda, and Jeff Watkinson have joined the uh, coaching staff. So that rounds up your official coaching staff for the Atlanta Hawks. Um, <laughs> no, Nobody left from last year, huh? You know, even with uh, Joe Prunty, you know, going 2-0 and and nobody left over from uh, from last season. So, And, again, uh, Brittany Donaldson, of course, you know, the analytics uh, person and uh, uh, the first female assistant coach ever in Atlanta Hawks uh, history. So good for all the assistant coaches. Now they got their work cut out for them. And we're going to talk about the Hawks here in just a couple of minutes. Um, you know, we're going we're gonna to get you involved in some Hawks talk here. But – uh, we'll talk to our friend of the show, Lauren Williams. She is the Hawks of Beat Report, uh, the AJC. And, of course, one week from tomorrow is the NBA draft. So good to the coaching staffs all together. Uh, we'll talk with Lauren about uh, what may be looking for in the draft. We'll have the draft show next Thursday night. It'll be Caleb Johnson, Sparty, and myself. So I've got to got to step in between before those guys start throwing haymakers and fisticuffs and everything. It may be an ugly scene. Maybe an ugly scene between Caleb and Sparty. I don't know. I mean, I just th- those guys are really intense and they and they like to come after one another. So I'll have to keep them all separated. All right, uh, 404-726-0929. 404-726-0929. Want to get you involved in this conversation? Trey tweeted it. Do you believe it? So up next, Chuck Reed, Nikia Studios, Sports Radio, ninety two nine The Game, and the Odyssey.com app. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Sports Radio 92.9, the game back at a Chuckery show, hanging out in the Kia studios on this Wednesday evening with you. We'll uh, talk to Lauren Williams coming up in about 20 minutes uh, from now. Uh, our buddy Bill Bender 
national college football writer for the Sporting News. He's going to join us at 8.20 as uh, the SEC has released its schedule for 2024. So Georgia's got games, uh, what, at Texas and at Oak, or sorry, uh, at Bama. Um, and by the way, too, uh, I think the big news is that we get Texas, Texas A&M back in 2024. That's a rivalry that should never have gone away. But, again, politics and everything else, you know, again, and money, uh, obviously, that's the driving force uh, of everything. So um, we'll talk to Bill Bender coming up and talk some college football with him at 820. All right, 404-726-0929. 404-726-0929. Trey Young put out a tweet the other day, and it got the Internet all abuzz um, with it, okay? Good, bad, ugly, otherwise, whatever like that. So I guess Michael Porter Jr., um, who he's friends with from, from the uh, Denver Nuggets, uh, they were uh, – Porter was joking about Trey Young being jealous in, in this, that, and the other about the Nuggets, you know, getting to a higher level than what the Atlanta Hawks have gotten to. And Trey Young at 11.31 p.m. on June 12th uh, in the year of our Lord 2023 tweeted out, We Next – with an exclamation point and then a ring and a champion, you know, a, a trophy, I should say. A ring, like a diamond ring and a trophy for emojis next to it. So here's what I'm asking, 404-726-0929. Can we be a championship caliber team? Now, obviously, let, let's start first with the Trey Young tweet, okay? Um, I like the fact that he's got some moxie in in puts that stuff out there. Now, I know that there are a lot of nudniks that are going to, you know, um, save that tweet, bookmark it, uh, have it for, you know, future. What, what What's that, uh, um, what is it, uh, freezing cold takes? And, you know what I mean? Like, people are going to overreact. And, and if they don't win the NBA title next year, people are going to be like, well, see, see. Uh, okay. But again, you know, Jalen Brown made a comment about the idea that the Hawks could have been a higher seed if they had shown the same intensity that they had throughout the Celt- series with the Celtics. Wouldn't Jalen Brown look good in a Hawks uniform? Anyway, um, you know, look, I-, I like the idea of Trey talking about this and-, and putting it out there in the universe. I got no problem with this. I want my star player to be thinking bigger fish to fry, not just kind of small potatoes. But it's also got to be backed up, right? I mean, from the standpoint of you can't talk about winning a title and then say that the regular season doesn't matter and we're, you know, we're a 500 team and we're the 8-9 and seed and have to struggle bus our way into the play-in, through the play-in tournament just to get in round one. Just to what? What are we? I think we are three and eight in the last two years in the first round of the NBA playoffs. Right, three and eight. Hawks won two games this year, and they won one game the year before. So three and eight over the last two years. That's not going to get it done. And we've talked about the expectations of the Atlanta Hawks, and I and I thought a lot of people brought up a good point about hey, let's be a second round playoff team. I think that should be the minimum expectation. I'm not expecting this Hawks team to go out and win the NBA title next year. I don't think it's realistic. Maybe you do, 404 You know, if Trey Young shoots the ball better, 
if they play really well, if they can find some support for him, whatever that's going to be, I, I certainly think that DeJounte Murray, and again, we talked about the fact that all of these rumors that are floating around that, well, if the right deal comes along, DeJounte Murray could be moved. Yeah, every player in the NBA, if the right deal comes along, could be moved. If the right deal comes along. Yeah, I mean, what what's the right deal, though? Like, how often do you get the right deal when you're talking about star caliber players? So, again, that that's kind of a, a total non-story. But, you know, we just talked about Quinn Snyder and his, you know, coaching staff. There's no... There's no more remnants from the Nate McMillan era. There's no remnants of the stench of the Nate McMillan era at all. Everybody's gone. I don't even know if the ball boys are back from from Nate McMillan. I don't even know if the beer vendors are going to be back from Nate McMillan's you know time here. They, they may they may just clean. They may not even bring back the guys that sweep the floor and sweep the sweat off the, the you towel, know, towel off, yeah towel <laughs> off the sweat on the floor they may not even bring those people back that's how much they're cleaning house and obviously this roster has to have some kind of shakeup to it obviously this roster has to have something happen to it what whatever that is if it's bringing a Jalen Brown in or tweaking it a little bit or maybe finally moving on from job whatever it is something has to be different it can't just be that Quinn Snyder has a chance now to work with Trey and DeJounte and makes everything better. Has to be more than that. Something has to kind of kickstart this. And again, we need our star player to buy in and be that guy. Because look, we've joked about this. Too often it's been as Trey goes, the Hawks go. And and I can understand that when when you have a star player. I mean, I'm I'm sure Denver fans, or sorry, um, Dallas fans say the same thing. You know, as Luka goes, the Dallas Mavericks go. And we saw glimpses where, okay, Trey had some off-shooting nights and the Hawks still won. You know, whether it's Murray leading them, whether it was Hunter leading them, whatever. But when you look at this roster, we haven't gotten better over the last couple of years. We haven't we haven't found that consistent next piece to go along with Trey Young. John Collins has regressed. Clint Capella is who he is. DeAndre Hunter isn't consistent enough. You know, let's hope that that's Murray because I think Murray's I think Murray is is an outstanding player, and, and he's and it, look if he buys in and he's here for the long term, and I really hope that they find a way to give. Uh, and by the way, Braves win, uh, so they sweep the. Doubleheader, and uh, they hang on to win six to five. Um, wasn't the prettiest of two games, but two victories nonetheless. You know, we'll look back three months from now and laugh about this about the struggles against the Detroit Tigers when the Braves are fifteen games up in the division. But anyway, um, but four zero four seven two six zero nine two nine. Your thoughts about this? Because look, I I like the idea of talking about championship teams, a- and that starts with the regular season, though. That starts with setting the tone in the regular season and not digging yourself a hole that you have to end up at the end of the year having to climb out of. You know, again, you're in that Fakakta play-in tournament, and yes, you beat the Miami Heat, and then you have to take on one of the best teams in the NBA. You know, that, that this is not the road to be on. We've talked about this. That's not the road you want to be on when – 
you're talking about being a championship caliber team. You know, that's not the way you want this thing to play itself out. There's no reason why we can't be a top three, four, even with even with the way that our roster is constructed now. And, yes, there are flaws and warts and everything else with it. But you see, though, that this team at times can play with anybody in the NBA. Again, in a one-game scenario in Miami, they knocked off the, the Miami Heat. They knocked them off. And the Heat were forced to win another play-in game and take on the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. And, you know, it's again, it's, you know, they, they made their run to the NBA Finals from there. So I don't know if we're going to win the NBA Finals. And I don't, again, I would tell you that we're not going to, we're not going to be a NBA champion next year. But one is, I like the fact that our star player is putting this out there in the universe. That he's he's speaking it. And that all starts with getting in the gym, having a big offseason, getting with Coach Snyder, getting everybody involved. I mean, Trey Young talked about on his podcast the other day about the idea of getting guys involved, about, you know, well, I need to I need to lead the league and assist to get guys involved. Yeah, but it's more than that. You know, it, it's the idea of setting the example and setting the tone. If what what do they say, Day Day? A rising tide lifts all ships. Yep. Right? So if he plays well, that lifts everybody up. You know, not even so much the stats and the numbers and things like that. If he plays well, everybody else gets elevated for it. And that's when we get good. And that's when we can do some damage. And so even if even if you told me that they brought this same group back, wouldn't be excited about it, wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't be happy. I think there's got to be some, some kind of change and maybe add some more star power to it. But even then, this group does have the ability that when they play well together, they can beat anybody in the NBA. And we see it at times, right? I mean, we see these moments where, you know, Golden State coming here, they take care of business. You know, last year when the, Phoenix Suns were the number one seed, clear-cut number one seed in the Western Conference, and uh, they were, you know what, uh, I think the best road team. They had won like 10 straight road games. Uh, and then MLK Day, they come in to play Atlanta, and the Hawks just take all control of them the whole game, just controlled them the whole way through. So when they get it together, they can play against, you know, with anybody. They can, they can beat anybody. And hopefully Quinn Snyder, I've said, you know, his his deal has to be he's got to get this team going in the regular season. It can't be waiting until the end to get it cranked up and get it going and then figure out a way to get in the Fakakta play-in tournament and win a game or two in there and then have to take on the best team in the Eastern Conference or the second-best team in the Eastern Conference and then be behind the eight ball. Can't be that way this year. That narrative has to change for this Hawks team. This has to be a team that, and look, everybody has their off nights. I, Sam Mitchell and I used to talk about this all the time. You're not going to get 82 games a year of good basketball. You're not. You're, you're going to have off nights. You're going to have nights where guys don't want to, you know, aren't really motivated to play. It's natural. It's human nature. And I don't fault the guys for that. But... There's no reason to have been in the position that we've been in the last two years where 
were barely hanging on, you know, a couple of years ago in the playoffs. And again, it felt like we were just even fighting for a playoff spot this year to, to not even not even get a playoff spot, get into that Fakakta. You know, I use that word Fakakta play in tournament where we just kind of linger and we feel like we're, you know, lucky to be, you know, in that thing. And that's not where we want to live. No reason why we can't be a top three, four, five seed, especially with, you know, again, a lot of coaches in the Eastern Conference that are changing all up. You have the Milwaukee Bucks who have a new coach, right? The Boston Celtics were in the NBA Finals a couple years ago, and they've got, you know, they just had a first-year coach, right? Nick Nurse is gone. He's a championship coach. Um, Who else am I missing? Doc Rivers is gone, right? And they're bringing in Nick Nurse, (laughs) you know? So, I mean, again, you're, you're getting a lot of upheaval in the Eastern Conference. And, yeah, there are some teams that are on the rise, but you wonder about Philadelphia. You know, Philadelphia's been perennial, you know, top three seed in the Eastern Conference. Okay, well, it's meant nothing. And, you know, how much longer do you go with the Embiid's and the Hardens and people like that and you know, the fact that they can't win? No reason why the Hawks shouldn't be one of those teams high up in the Eastern Conference. So I like the idea of Trey Young putting it out there in the universe. I like the moxie that he has with this. Now let's go out and figure out a way to get it done. Now let's figure out a way to coach and play and do everything we can to get to that kind of level. And if we fall a little bit short, no problem. We just keep building. But we've got to build off of the momentum from one year to the next. That's something we haven't done over the last handful of years with this organization. All right, Lauren Williams is going to join us up next, a beat writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Her thoughts about where we're at in the offseason. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios. Sports Radio 929 The Game and the Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Back at a Chuckery show, hanging out in the Kia studios on this Wednesday evening with you. Well, we are a week and a day away as uh, the NBA draft will take place coming up next Thursday. We'll have uh, coverage from State Farm Arena. It will be Caleb Johnson, our Hawks reporter for 92.9, the game. Sparty, my guy Deshaun Tate, and myself, we will be at State Farm Arena covering uh, all things uh, Atlanta Hawks draft we head out to the WadeFord.com hotline right now. We talk to our friend of the show, Lauren Williams, is the Hawks beat reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. AJC.com is where you can check out all of her work, and she's on Twitter, at WilliamsLaurenL. Lauren, as always, appreciate it. Thanks for a few minutes here on the show tonight. Of course, 
Stacy. Always a pleasure. So what did you think about the coaching staff that uh, Quinn Snyder put together? Very eclectic group. I thought it was a very interesting group and certainly kind of, you know, features analytical people and things like that. I mean, I thought it was a very interesting coaching staff that he's put together overall. Absolutely. I think you can see that he was looking to kind of have a very diverse group of people in all facets of the word. And I think he values having so many different perspectives. And I think the fact that he's kind of embraced taking on some guys and women who are kind of on the younger end speaks to how much they want to develop this team. You have a guy like Mike Bray, who is not one of the youngsters, but he has coached a lot of youngsters. Um, you know, a, a long, a former long tenured coach at Notre Dame. So it's definitely an eclectic group, a very diverse group. And when I talked to him today to kind of get a sense of what he was looking for, he said that he just wanted a bunch of guys and women who, who were selfless and they wanted them to kind of emulate what they were asking the team to be. Lauren, are there any trends that we're picking up on with the players that have been brought in for pre-draft workouts and things like that? You know, the funny thing about A.J. Griffin last year is they didn't even interview him. Like, he was not brought mm -hmm. in for a workout, and they didn't even interview A.J. Griffin mm -hmm. last year. So do we get a sense that maybe there's some smoke screens that are being put up? Or, you know, what do you think about the trends are with the people that they've brought in for workouts? Yeah, they've definitely brought in a lot of wings, a lot of guards, um, not a lot of big men, especially considering, you know, it, it seems like they're still – pretty happy with Clint Capella and Onyeka Okongwu. Um, I would have loved to have seen uh, a few more big men in that group, especially if we're to believe the rumors that are going to start coming out that, you know, they'll potentially move on from John Collins just because it's, you know, a yearly thing at this point. But, uh, yeah, I, I think the fact that they brought in a lot of wings just kind of tells you that they're potentially looking for a lot of guys who can kind of fill that role. Um, they're looking for a lot more shooting, especially because for much of the season last year, they didn't have a ton of that with Bogey kind of on that injured list um, there with that uh, knee surgery, recovering from knee surgery, excuse me. Um, so, yeah, I think they're looking to bring in a lot more shooting. That's something that Quinn Snyder has always uh, valued. When he came in last season, he said one of the things that he tried to build as one of this team's habits is just getting better spacing. And so I think if they're looking at a lot of these guys who can space the floor, that tells me that Quinn is looking for a system that's going to include a lot of shooting. Lauren, do we anticipate the idea that the person drafted at 15 probably mostly ends up in College Park? Because you don't really have many open roster spots. And obviously, you know, again, you're developing the Jalen Johnsons and the A.J. Griffins that, you know, are going to need you know more significant playing time. Do we anticipate the person who's picked at 15 – probably ends up in College Park? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up in College Park, but I also want to see them take a guy who, who could fight for a roster spot, who could be competitive in minicamp and potentially um, make them think harder about things. Of course, you're still developing, as you said, guys like Jalen Johnson and A.J. Griffin, but honestly, in the rotation, I think Jalen Johnson is, is pretty much in there, especially if they do decide to move on from John Collins. It's it's his spot to lose, in my opinion. So um, as far as AJ, I think it's going to be a lot more competitive for him just because you're always going to have bogey ahead of him. A guy like Sadiq Bey, DeAndre Hunter, all of those guys that are kind of ahead of the, him in the lineup. So 
Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they do end up looking at a guy who's more of a project and, and they look to develop him long term. Lauren Williams is the Hawks beat writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, joining me here on the WaitFor.com hotline. How more than what they do, um, mm-hmm. whether, whether they trade players, you know, whether they look at some free agent signings, whatever it is, how swiftly, though, do you think that the Hawks get something going? Because, again, you know, I was just talking about in the last segment that, you know, I think we all agree that there has to be some kind of shakeup. Like this group yeah. as a whole – while they're talented, there, yes. there's something missing. There's a chromosome that is missing in all of this. Do you think the Hawks get very swift in the moves that they make, or do they kind of sit back and watch the landscape of some of the other things that unfold? I wouldn't be surprised if they, they try to sit back a little bit just because they do have to take in the assets that they have, and they do have to weigh every option when it comes to um, the pieces that they can potentially part with. I think they have a lot to think about just in terms of with John, they do have to realize that they likely won't get back um, what his salary may necessarily command. They might have to give up a lot of things in order to move on from that. But I think the big payoff with that is that you're able to dump a large part of what is pushing you toward that luxury tax there. So um, I I think they have a lot of things to think about. I think they have a lot of options to weigh as far as what it is they think is that X factor as well that they need to move on from. So uh, I I, I anticipate them being a little bit more uh, touch and go or or see as it comes as opposed to being aggressive um, come draft night or in the days leading up to up to the draft. And, and you and I have talked about this several times, but, I mean, isn't that the question? I mean, mm-hmm. look, are, are they going to be a luxury tax team? Because they're, they're $9 million in the luxury tax right now. And, yep. I don't, and I don't know how you get better at this point without dipping your toe. And, and look, mm-hmm. you may not go neck deep in it, but you're $9 million in the luxury tax, even if you just bring everybody back. If you're not going to get into the luxury tax, I don't know how we become better. I don't know how we sign good players or trade for good players because, again, mm-hmm. you can't – the way the NBA works, you can't just trade a really good player for just fish heads and rice and, and get that back. So, you know, again, isn't that – doesn't everything – I hate to say it this way, but doesn't everything revolve around are we going to be a luxury tax team? I think so. I think that's the big question right now just because, as you said – you're going to have to spend money to bring in quality talent. And I think one of the big things that the Hawks is missing is kind of that veteran voice in the locker room. You'd love for it to be a guy like Bogey or, or Clint, but we saw last year, it just, that's just not what their role was. And so in order for them to do that, they're going to have to spend money. And, and that means that they will, as you said, have to dip their toe into the luxury tax. So I'm definitely agreeing with you on that one there. So, you know, again, and, and I, don't, I don't think that there's anything to this, but, you know, there's been a lot of people that have brought up the idea of DeJounte Murray, you know, being traded. And I asked mm-hmm. this question about the idea of, and I, and I talked about this a while back on my show, just if you're going to trade Murray, is it better that you trade him sooner than later? Because, again, if you can't get a contract worked out, um, obviously then you have to figure out what you're going to do based upon – things you've given up, you know, as far as draft yeah. capital wise. And, and obviously if it's, you know, if, if it's not working and you got to move on from him, but do you think that there's any fire to the smoke of the idea of moving on from DeJounte Murray if the right package comes along? 
Um, I, I, I think you can never say never. If it's the right package, you have to, you have to do it, right? Regardless right. of how much you value that, it. That's true for any player. Yeah, that's true for any player. for any player. So if it's the right deal, you have to take it. But it's hard for me to see them ready to move on from him so soon. I really do think Quinn Snyder and, and the rest of that coaching staff want to build out and see what both Trey Young and DeJounte Murray can do and try to turn it into the tandem that people imagine that pick your poison type of offense. Um, I think, you know, bringing aboard somebody like Igor Kokoshkov, who you've seen work as a head coach, he was in Phoenix. Um, you know, again, Mike Bray, Brittany Donaldson, she worked with point guards in Detroit. Um, I think bringing some of those coaches aboard will, you know, potentially help them develop this team, that backcourt tandem into what I think they want them to be. But as far as Murray, I think he's kind of one of those trade deadline ideal candidates in the sense that he's on an expiring contract. So a team that's looking to make their push into the playoffs might want to take a gamble on him at that point. So I, I would say it would probably be better to wait if, if they decide that it, they want to move on from him, especially if they can't get a deal done. I, I want to put your prognosticator hat on and uh, yeah. you know get your idea of, do you think that they offer Murray a contract over the summertime? Have you heard anything about he's kind of adamant about becoming a free agent because he could, I mean, even though he can't get the extra year with a club, but mm-hmm. he could probably come out better even with the new CBA, the way it's worded. He could probably come out better if he becomes a free agent and, and gets a deal. Have you heard anything about the idea of they're going to offer him a contract or they're going to, you know, he's going to walk into free agency? I mean, what what do you think kind of his plan is for the for the next year here? To be honest, I haven't heard a lot about um, where they are in terms of talking to him about deals or anything like that. But I, I can only go off what we've heard him say, and he's excited to try and work this thing out with Trey Young and try to get something going. I, I do think the the season, when you think about it, was a little bit short for them to try and make something work. There was just so much upheaval, and I, I think they need a little bit more of a figuring out period. So I, I'm just going to go off of what he said to us in the public, and, and that's that he wants to try and get this thing going and make it work. So, Lauren, the other thing is, you know, and – this will forever, and, and whether it's fair or unfair, it's the perception is that when Trey Young made the statement a couple of years ago that, well, we don't really care about the regular season, it's all about the playoffs and this, that, and the other, fair or unfair, that that ring is going to hang around the neck of Trey Young because they have played so poorly in the regular season. Is the mm-hmm. idea of Quinn Snyder getting this team off to a fast start, getting them off to – a good regular season because, again, the reason we have kind of put ourselves in the position that we have the last couple of years, even though mm-hmm. we played Boston well, and this, but again, because we didn't take care of our business in the regular season, we were kind of forced into some of the about having mm-hmm. to beat the Heat and, mm-hmm. and then go up against Boston. How important is this regular season going to be for this club and Quinn Snyder? I definitely think it's going to be important for them to get off on the right foot just as you said, it's, we've seen them just not perform to the standard that we know that they're capable of. They've underperformed, in fact, in the last two regular seasons. So I think Quinn is going to want to come out and get them um, going on the right foot. 
and, you know, hopefully turn things around in a way that they can get into the playoffs in a better positioning than having to fight their way in. What is the role of Nick Ressler as you know it right now? I mean, forget what we like that. What do you think his role is right now as we're into the offseason with this organization? I, I'll just say I, I do think he has a voice, and I, I do think his opinion It's I think, naive to think that it doesn't, <laughs> um, considering you know what his last name is. But I do think they have a lot of voices in that room, so it'll be interesting to see how how low, how loud, excuse me, uh, Landry Fields and Kyle Corver's voices are when they're making that final pick. Lauren Williams, she is the beat reporter for the Atlanta Hawks for the Atlanta Journal Constitution. AJC.com is where you can check out all of her work, and it's always a collaborative and communicative discussion with. Lauren, so we, we made sure we get those if words uh, in there. Uh, Lauren's on <laughs> Lauren's on Twitter, at Williams, Lauren L. Lauren, as always, appreciate it. Thanks for a few minutes of tonight. We will talk again here soon. Awesome. Thank you, JC. Appreciate you. You got it. When we come back from the top of the hour, it will be the Falcons fly. Falcons have announced their schedule for practices coming up in training camp. We'll talk about that plus some other things up next. Chuck Reed in the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, the Odyssey.com app.